to see you. I don't know. Um, I feel like we're combating uh, like extra sugar high with extra sleep. And so I feel like we all got a little, little extra, extra pep in our step this morning. I'm so excited for this month. Um, this month we're starting a new series. It's called Sing. And I know that for some of you, singing might not be your favorite thing. Music may not be your favorite thing. But there are lots of ways that our lives can be a song of praise, even if we don't like to sing. Lord, I'm just so humbled and grateful to be standing here this morning. Lord, surrounded by people that I love, people who have invested in my life, people who have invested in my family and my spiritual development, Lord, and for this chance to pour that that back out. Lord, I pray you would prepare our hearts this morning for the new work that you're doing in our lives, in our midst, in our community. Lord, I pray that we would set aside this, set aside the distractions, the thoughts of the things coming up this week, Lord, that are threatening to tear our focus away this morning. And Lord, that we would just lay it out before you. Lord, fill this time, fill this space, overcome us with your presence because we're here to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. And would you go ahead and stand?
freedom. Make no mistake about it. Rise. Your shackles are no more, friends. There is freedom in this place through Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's right. <laughs> you know, that song and uh, everything we're singing about this morning has got me thinking about my own kids. Man, there's so many parallels, isn't there? If you don't know, these are my three in the front. Molly's nine, Cooper's seven, Maggie's six. I always have to think about that. But as we parent, and as we talk and as we change rules, I don't know if you're supposed to do that, but we do because we're just like new at this kind of, and we don't know what we're doing. This is my husband also. Um, so so we're, just, we're just figuring this out, right? And as we're thinking about what are the rules, what are the standards for our family, we understand that we are called by God to protect our children and to raise them up to know God and love him. And so what are the rules that we're putting in place that we need to have them obey, right? These are the things we're always trying to figure out and some of it might seem unfair to them, right? But in the deepest part of our hearts, we love them and we wanna be good parents to them. And so we're gonna put up some rules for them and say, no, you're not allowed to do this because I love you, I won't let you do this. And I just think as we expand this to, to God being a good father to us, he's called us out of sin because sin leads to death, right? There's no way around that, friends. Sin is death. It leads to death. And sometimes it might feel good. A lot of times sin feels good. But it's not the way. It's not the way of God. And I'm going to read to us from Galatians chapter 5. You my brothers, we're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by one another. Wow, I feel like that's just a really really fitting and powerful word of warning for us, friends. We're here running after and chasing after the same God who loves us and he cares for us. He stands for freedom. He is freedom. And he is a good father and we can worship him. Thank you. 
Amen. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you have knit together your elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son, Christ our Lord. Give us grace so to follow your blessed saints in all virtuous and godly living, that we may come to those ineffable joys that you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. You guys can be seated. I love bologna sandwiches. Can I get a witness? All right. Official, unofficial polling here. Who likes bologna? Okay, that's pretty good. Who doesn't? Would you be with? Okay, okay. All right, we'll pray for you guys. Bologna. Bologna sandwiches are good. If you don't like them, then you're wrong. Here's the thing. Can you guys hear me chewing? I hope not. I like cheese on my bologna sandwich, right? Usually I like a little mustard on my bologna sandwich. This morning I didn't put it on. I didn't want my bun to get, or my bread to get soggy between now, or this morning, and when I'm eating it, because that's just gross. If you go to the cheese house in uh, Plain City, there's like six different bolognese you can get. You cheese, how many different bolognese do you guys have at your place? About the same, six different bolognese. Who knew there was that many bolognese? If you go to GNR Tavern in Waldo, Ohio, you can get the best grilled bologna sandwich in the entire universe. It's good. Bologna. But here's the deal. If you were to go to a bologna factory, they're probably not called bologna factories, but you get the idea. If you were to go look at the process by which a bologna loaf, is that what? I, don't, I started to say a sandwich, but I mean just the bologna itself. If, the, if you were to go look to see how the bologna itself was made, if you were to kind of dig into what this bologna actually was, and you were to see all the ins and outs, literally, of what was in there and how it was made at the processing plant, let's be honest, we probably wouldn't love our bologna sandwiches so much. Either that or we would have to put a lot more mustard on it, right? <laughs> because we saw the innermost parts of this bologna and we saw how it was made and we would be like, maybe I'll just stick to a ham sandwich, right? Here's the deal. This morning we're starting a brand new series. I don't know how to hold a bologna sandwich while I'm also holding a microphone. I'm just going to put it there, the new communion. Is that okay? <laughs> we're starting a brand new series and, we're, and it's called Sing. And the idea is we have lots of things to sing about. As followers of Christ, we have lots of things to sing about. This morning, Pastor Paul is going to talk about one of, the, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite reasons to sing. And it's, and it's this. In Psalm, Psalm 139 in particular, the writer of the Psalm, David, he, he kind of talks about how God has gotten to know David. He knows the innermost parts of David. He knows about how David's bologna sandwich was made, right? Like he knows the innermost. Listen to some of these things. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. And he goes on to say, before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And he says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Then he says, you saw my unformed body, or my unformed baloney before it was baloney. All the days were ordained for me, written in your book, before one of them came to be. And then even after saying all that, he says this, he says, search me, God, like, as much as you know me, as much as you know those pieces of baloney in my life, and how yucky it might be, he still says, search me and know me even more. And guess What? The psalm doesn't end this way. It doesn't specifically point to this way. But we know this because of what we believe and what we've been taught and what we've grown up to know is that in spite of all of that, David's saying, you know me. You know everything about me. You've searched me. You know that it's not as pretty as sometimes I try to make it look like on, on Sunday mornings when I'm at church. You know me. You've searched me. And guess what the answer to that is? God still loves us. 
Like, he doesn't have to put extra mustard on us to love us even in spite of all the that's in us, right? So we have a reason to sing. We have a reason to sing because God knows our baloney, and he loves us. I mean, he can't love us any more or any less. He just loves us, baloney bits and all. And so for that reason, we sing. Pastor Paul is going to come and talk to us more about this reason that we have to sing. Thank you, Pastor Josh. You are what you eat. How much bologna do we have out there? I'm just curious. Uh, thank you for the illustration, making them all hungry. And uh, going home and grilling a bologna sandwich was just the only way you should eat bologna, grilled. Amen? Kick it? Oh, never mind. You know, last week I talked about the 1976 Cincinnati Reds and how they won the World Series over the Boston Red Sox. And, and uh, Spencer, after service, said, Dad... That was 44 years ago. Let it go. So this morning, I thought he's right. I need to get fresher with my illustrations. So in 1977, <laughs> I went on a teen singing tour. I, I know it doesn't seem possible that I was a teenager in 1977 and that I was singing in a teen choir. But we went all into Canada and to New York. And, and as I recall, it was the 70s. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes in the 70s and all God's people said amen, particularly the way we dressed. As I recall, we had matching vest. Yeah. <laughs> No images or videos exist of that happening, praise the Lord. But we went on this singing tour, and at the end of it, we ended up in Chicago, and we were at Old Comiskey Park, and the White Sox were playing. And as a matter of fact, I believe if you've ever been to Old Comiskey, I, I believe my seat was literally behind a post. <laughs> I didn't sit there, but I, they, have, they sell seats behind posts. And in old Comiskey with the old White Sox, when they hit home runs, they would sing. Now, I don't know if they still do that or not, but in the 70s, they would sing. And, and, and they would sing, na, 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 sing it with me. Na, 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 hey, hey, hey goodbye. And it, was, it was really cool. And, and that night, it, it was after uh, Bill Vick had, had, had done a blow-up disco night, and he had blown up a bunch of little 45 albums, 45 records in the middle of the field, and literally there were little records, and I, we were an upper deck because we were teens, we get the cheap seats, amen Josh, you back there, we get the cheap seats, and, and there's records hanging from wires that had blown up from the middle of the field, but they hit these home runs, and they hit seven home runs that night. A lot of singing. Claude L. Washington, which nobody even knows who he is, hit three home runs, and we sang all night long. Why? We sing to celebrate. And, and so Christmas time's coming. How many are already singing your Christmas songs, listening to your Christmas songs? You're sickos. <laughs> we'll have an altar call for you later. Uh, Christmas music is only allowed after Thanksgiving, and uh, that, that is the rule. Thus it is written, thus it is said, thus it shall be. Uh, but, but we sing to celebrate Christmas songs. When you have a birthday, there's a song you sing, it's called? Happy Birthday, that's right. We sing to celebrate. And so in this series, Sing, God gives us a reason to celebrate. God gives us a reason to sing. And you see it in Scripture, Paul writes in Philippians 4.4, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. God's worthy of us expressing joy towards. In, in Psalm 156, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So right now, I want you to check your neighbor. Are they breathing? Are you breathing? If you're not breathing, please raise your hand so you know you need help. You know, we, we all have a reason to praise the Lord. And it's pretty simple. God asked his people to praise him. 
Now, there's other ways we praise the Lord. We, you know, worship is praising, is responding, and, and that's why our teens are called Respond Ministries. It's responding to God in worship. And, and so we, there's, there's celebration includes other things, service, serving God, giving, um, reading God's Word, loving your neighbor. These are ways that we celebrate, that we praise God, that we worship God. But celebration includes singing. And worship has always included singing across almost all religions and across almost all Christian denominations. Of course, there's variations in that. It looks different in different denominations and different churches. But singing has always been a part of this. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible, you find instances where the, the New Testament, where the Gospels particularly tell us that Jesus is singing. As a matter of fact, that the night before he's crucified, they leave the upper room. And it says as they're leaving the upper room, Jesus and the disciples are singing a hymn together. Imagine that. Jesus knows the cross is coming. He's getting ready to be crucified. And yet he's still singing. Even now, across Marysville, across Union County, across Ohio, across the globe, probably at different times, there are people and churches that are singing. Yeah, that's one of the, the neat things about a, a work and witness trip or a mission trip is you, you get to experience worship in other environments. That's why I'd encourage everybody to do that at least one time, to, to go someplace different and watch. Uh, you know, we've been to Guatemala several times. I've been to Argentina, but, but Guatemala is always special to Terry and I as we, we've been in the mountains where people have been singing. And, and sometimes we recognize the songs and sometimes we don't recognize the songs. And, and can I tell you, wherever church we've been in, it's been far louder than anything you've ever experienced here. You wouldn't believe how loud it is. They open the windows. It's their evangelistic tool for their community. And it's loud and it's hot and it's full of joy. Amen. Across the world today, Christians are singing. And the Bible includes many songs. There is a part of this book that's simply songs, including the book we're going to be in for this month, Psalms, is just a hymn book for the early church and for the Jewish people. And in these Psalms, there's what we call laments, complaints. Who likes to complain? Raise your hand. Oh, there's more people that like to complain because I've heard them. There's laments, there's complaints. And there's praise. That, that in their hymn book, they include a place for the person to say, this isn't right, this isn't fair, I don't understand, I'm not happy with this. The Psalms. We'll be looking at different Psalms this month. It's Thanksgiving, it's appropriate. We'll, we'll use each Psalm to answer a simple question. I have reason to sing because. The, the truth is, is, as I think about that little question, probably that should, be, that should be almost a response every week we have a gathering when we look at God's word. I have reason to sing because salvation, sanctification, glorification, heaven. I, I have a reason to sing. But, but that's the focus just for this month. And today we'll be in Psalm 139. In these Psalms, and we talked about this, and it's in this psalm as well. And I'm not going to, I'm going to include it. I'm going to include, you know, so, sometimes the temptation is in the psalms to get to these parts where it's a little bit darker. You guys feel me? You know, the, the parts of the story, it's a little bit less comfortable. You know, when the psalmist is saying, I hate people with this deep hate. In psalm, that's in this psalm today. The temptation is to kind of skip over that. But the truth is, these psalms and their inclusion of the lament and the inclusion of the emotion and the inclusion of the praise, they're acknowledging that life's not perfect. 
Anybody out there have a perfect life? Nobody has a perfect life. And the truth is, there's still a reason to sing. Even when we're living in the midst of baloney, <laughs> there's reason to sing. And our reality is this, life may not be perfect, but we have a reason to sing. Psalm 139, and you can look on your cell phones or in your Bible, they, they actually have a, the Bible is actually in a book form. For those of you who don't know, I bet you can look at your cell phone as well. This might be the opportunity you have if you pull your cell phone out to check your messages and your emails and all just simply think you're looking at the Bible, okay? So this is your free pass. Psalm 139, oh Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know, when I, when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there, was, there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be a night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you, for you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I, I wake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would say, and this is the part that probably I'd just kind of leave out because it's not as happy, not as joyous. Just being honest. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. Okay, that's your scripture for today. They have become my enemies. Then he closes with this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. I have reason to sing because God fully knows me and still loves me. The, the psalmist is saying, God knew me at my beginning. Before I ever caught a breath outside the womb, God knew me. God will know me through the entirety of my life and he will know me when I take my last breath and I'm in his presence. He knows me in the light. He knows me in the dark. God sees what others see in me. They, they see my outer actions. And God sees my inner thoughts and my motivation. And yet God 
pursues me. As a matter of fact, the psalmist says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. You don't use that word precious unless as you're thinking about how God is thinking about you, even though he knows you, you don't realize that God still pursues and still loves you. Can we digest that for a moment? And take this from the words of the psalmist and apply it to our own lives. God knows everything about me. God knows my good, and still from Clint Eastwood, my bad and my ugly. And can I tell you, in my life, there's been some bad and there's been some ugly. And yet, God, your thoughts towards me, your purpose for me is precious, is special, is glorious. I have reason to sing this morning, not because of my, my circumstances are perfect, because they're not. But I have reason to sing because God fully knows me, and yet he still loves me. Let's take this a little bit deeper. Think about the most embarrassing the worst failure of your life. Think about your worst thought. The the, the thing you never expressed, but it was a thought in your mind that no one else knows about, and you wouldn't share it with anyone in this, this room, perhaps in this world, for fear that if you would share that moment, if you would share that experience, somehow you'd be rejected. God knows. God knows what you were thinking this week. God knows what you browsed on the internet. God knows what motivates you and drives you. Not the outer actions, not that that face that we sometimes project, not that mask that John Paul Dunbar talks about, but God knows who you are. You have reason to sing because God fully knows you and loves you. Folks, this, this isn't a weak gospel. This is the power of the gospel. That when God sent Jesus, he didn't send him to righteous people, but he sent him for sinners, losers, people that couldn't get anything right, whose motives were all messed up, whose lives did not reflect anything good. God sent Jesus for people like you and me. I think it's important that we recognize we're not talking about people God loves them, but we're not talking about people outside these walls. We're talking about us. God loves us. He knows us. But we sing, and this is the extension of this that I think we need to see, not simply because God knows us, but he wants to transform us. Um, see, See, the cross... Jesus came and died on a cross. God sent his Holy Spirit into this world so that the Holy Spirit can indwell us. Not not so he can save us. He can give us a ticket to heaven. He can stamp approved on our forehead and then when we die we get to go to heaven. But, But God did all these things because he wants to change us. He sees who we are, but he wants to change us. And as I understand, as I've experienced transformation in my life, I guess I can only speak to what I've experienced in my life. I'm still a work in project, process. Easy for me to say, huh? God's still transforming me. 
God, God, this God that fully knows me and sees me will sometimes put his finger on an attitude or a thought or an action and say, love you, but more. Anybody else with me there? That I've not gotten to this point in my life. And so I think this is applicable to us all. That, that when, we, when we sin, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And there's this point that we just get to, God, you know me, you see me. Speak change into me. Speak transformation into me. So the psalmist ends with this. Search me. Oh, God, and know my heart. Let's, let's read this together. I think this is a good one to read together. Search me, oh, God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. The psalmist prays that. God knows me, but God, can you search me? Can, can, can you try me? Can you lead me? So here's our prayer for today. Our, our song for today. To, to the God who knows and loves us. Three invitations. You know, I, I guess this is kind of the point of the sermon. We're going to do it in like 30 seconds. Okay, is that okay? He said, why didn't you just preach the point of the sermon in 30 seconds? We could have been at breakfast by now. Search me. God, God, will you reveal, you really know me. You, you know me like no one else knows me. Will you search me and, and show me those areas you want me to grow? Try me. Challenge me. I, I worked with a guy that um, many years ago, man, this is, I think, in the 80s, though, so we're, we're getting closer to this decade. But he played the guitar, and, uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, Buck, his name was Buck, what a great name. Buck, how'd you learn to play the guitar? And, and Buck said, my dad threw the guitar on the bed and said, don't you touch it. <laughs> you know, people are challenged in different ways. But this is an invitation for us to say, God, I want you to look deep inside me and I want you to challenge me. I want you to push me outside my comfort zone. When was the last time God spoke in a way that caused you to move outside your comfort zone? We like rhythms, don't we? You know, like, you know, the same routines. Here's the thing about our God. He doesn't. He doesn't like us to be so comfortable in our routines and our rhythms that he can't speak us and move us outside those. So the psalmist is saying, God, challenge me. Show me an area of service that I've not thought of before. If God's calling you to serve in the children's department, it's not a good enough excuse to say, well, I'm really not comfortable with that. If God's calling you to give and you've really never given before, it's not a valid excuse to say, oh, well, I'm just really not comfortable with the giving. <laughs> Does that make it, are we tracking? If, maybe not. If pastor says, say amen, and you're not comfortable saying amen, you still say amen, okay? Amen, amen yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. It may be God speaking, but it's still me. I'm sorry, I'm still up here. <laughs> hey, you know, that, that's one of the things I love about our God. Our God uses us just as we are. You know what, what, what I've found as I've moved into ministry, God still speaks and I still speak as Paul. I try to find God's words, that's what I'm seeking, that really is. But God uses us just as we are. And so God can use you just as you are. Lead me. Move me. Lord, take me somewhere new. Those are our prayers today. Search me, try me, lead me. Um, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. 
I'll give you just a, a moment just to speak with God, to pray those three things. God, search me. Try me. Lead me. Then I'll close this in prayer. God, the truth is, you know us better than we know ourselves. That you know our true motivations when sometimes we mask those motivations to make ourselves feel better. I pray, Lord, that you'll do the very hard thing, the very difficult thing for us of allowing us to see ourselves as we truly are. But, but not just see ourselves as we truly are, but to see you, the God who still loves us and pursues us and changes us. Lord, I'm thankful that when I knelt at an altar at five or six years old and accepted you as my Savior, that the process didn't stop there. And I'm not a six-year-old in my faith. God, I'm thankful that in 1988, in October, when, when I had that experience in a Toyota Corolla where I feel like you sanctified me, I'm glad that the process didn't end there, but you've continued to move me and mold me. Lord, Lord, I'm thankful for every crisis moment in my life. But Lord, I'm not going to depend on those crisis moments. I'm going to depend on your spirit at work within me even now. Searching me, trying me, leading me. Lord, I want to be more like Jesus. And when I look at Jesus and I look at me, I realize I have miles to go before I'm even close to Jesus. Lord, there's, there's more you can do in me. And Lord, I'm thankful that in an imperfect world, you'll take imperfect people, you'll give them your spirit, and you'll use them in a way beyond their expectations and even beyond their ability. So Lord, be with us all. Help us to be open books to you. Lord, and even as I pray that, I realize that's not right. Help us to realize we're open books to you. There's nothing we hide from you, you know. So, Lord, help us to live in that reality, but also live in the reality, Lord, that you don't want to leave us where we are, but you want to grow us and change us. Wherever you go this week, know this. God knows you better than you know yourself. No matter where you go or what you do, God is already there surrounding you with mercy and guiding you with love. So go with joy and confidence, knowing that God goes with you. God bless, folks. You are dismissed.